Welcome to Uplifting Conversations. I'm Tucson Bailey, founder and CEO of Uplifting Capital. And today I'm here with Liv Gagnon and Sonia Dreisler from Choir. The word that I keep coming back to is uplifting. I have this conviction based on my lived experience that uplifting people or the planet doesn't have to be draining. It can actually feel uplifting to the person who's making that impact. It is a joy to have you both on. Of course, I hope you know what, what fans I am of you uh, and your work at Choir, both collectively and individually. Um, and so today, uh, this podcast will be first to give you your flowers real time, and then uh, just kind of introduce folks to the journey to Choir. I think if anyone doesn't know about Choir by now, I don't know where they have been living, at least <laughs> the kinds of people who listen <laughs> to me. Uh, but uh, I don't think everybody knows the journey that got each of you there. And one of the things that we hope to do is to help people remain kind of fulfilled in, in, in a sustainable place as they do work to uplift others. And so just sharing how you are able to do that and, and kind of what you're doing to make sure that the work that you're doing, the incredible work that you're doing to, to change the face of media and, and conferences and everything else in financial services is work that continues to last and, and feed you. Um, so that's the, that's the whole idea. Amazing. Cool. Thank you for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure. So first, uh, tell us all about uh, choir and make sure you kind of double click on voices, please. And, and yeah, all the things. Great. Well, why don't, this is Sonia. Why don't I get the big picture and then I'll let Liv talk about voices. Okay. Um, okay. So choir is a diversity tech platform built to, like you said, um, lift up the voices of uh, people of color, of women and of non-binary financial professionals uh, on conference stages and in the media. And we do that in a few different ways. One is we work with directly with conference organizers, giving them tools and resources and support so they can increase representation on stage. Mm -hmm. And for conferences that want it, we offer a, a diversity certification. And then the platform we're really excited to be launching right now is called Voices. And I'm going to let Liv talk about that. Before you, I love how casually that that, that rolls out. <laughs> like that's something people do. <laughs> I was trying to keep it really brief. Otherwise, if I start talking about the certification, I will tell you about the algorithm. All, all right, you got 30 factors. seconds, Sonia. Right. Like, yeah, you know, we're just, you know, changing the face of conferences and changing the way conferences and media have been done forever <laughs> in financial services and I'm sure we will also influence other industries no big that's no it big deal. <laughs> I should maybe I was I was a little brief there but one one thing that's really important that we do it's not just uh it's not just diversity we're not just looking at who is speaking when we certify conferences we're looking at how visible each speaking role is mm -hmm. so that we're making sure that um people that people of color and women and specifically women of color are represented at all levels of visibility um, and not just, you know, like pigeonholed to the, the small, um, you know, panel that while there's five other panels happening. So we look at both uh, visibility and uh, representation and put them together to create our score. Mm -hmm. And the score is really 
a quantification of how representative a conference speaker lineup is compared to the U.S. population. So we want all events when you attend them to look like the world we actually walk around in instead of just a few folks um, recycled over and over at events. We can actually get a better picture of you know, our world and how to move through to the future through finance. Unfortunately, that is incredibly ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, that's why we have three levels of certification. There is a gold level for conferences that do look like the world around us. And then we have really much more um, attainable levels, I would say, levels that are with uh, work and intention, conferences can reach certification um, even in their first year if they're really um, working working intentionally. Yeah, no, what I, I like to talk about not minimizing victories, right? Like, so while we don't want to lower the bar, I, I, I believe it's super important to keep people on the journey no matter where they start the journey. So Exactly, exactly. Yep. Very we cool. do have a very high bar for the gold standard, but we want to bring people along and we know there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to do and there's a lot of people who, who want to do it. They just need some tools and some guidance and some, some help. And that's what we do. It's really, um, it's a pleasure because we are working with people who also want to change and they just need a hand. Calling them in, calling them yeah. in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So live. Yes. Voice. Yes. Voices is, and when we get into our origin story, you'll find that's actually how the company in general started was the idea for voices. And what it is, it's, it's a two-way connection platform and we're connecting people of color, women, and non-binary experts across all areas of finance with uh, conference organizers who are looking for speakers, journalists who are looking for sources, and enterprises and companies that are looking for experts to partner with them on company content and marketing, like webinars and such. Mm -hmm. um, and so the way it works is on one end, you have our voices, who's what we call our experts, and they fill out essentially a digital media kit. It's their professional background, how they identify with their race, gender, other identifiers, like are they part of the LGBTQ plus community? Are they veterans? Are they children of immigrants? Things that are all part of their identity. And we have um, keywords and designations and even videos of them speaking or stories that they've been in so that you, we can really give journalists and conference organizers a full picture of who these voices are. And so the way it works is if I'm looking for a speaker or a source, I can go onto voices search. I could put in something as specific as um, an Asian American woman who wants to speak on panels and can talk about retirement. And by the way, she needs to have her CFP. So I can put that in and a whole list of voices who meet that criteria will come up and through the platform, um, journalists and conference organizers can connect with them. So that's, you know, it's filling that final once we've identified the areas of opportunity through the algorithm and the certification. Um, it's that 
last part is how do we actually help people expand their networks? Because we have so many amazing professionals and voices in the industry that for so many reasons, so many systemic reasons have not yet had the opportunity to have that expertise amplified. Yeah. So like, I don't know, somebody's searching for a black man doing impact investing in the private markets. There's no way that they could find that on voices. They certainly. On the contrary. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, and you guys, I had a little, I love, you guys did a piece on my guy, Devon Drew, DFD partners, his success story at voices, which I absolutely loved. Yes. That was amazing. I actually met him in person. We ran into each other at a conference and he told me his success story. He had um, signed up for voices and then only like maybe within a month heard from a journalist who um, had searched voices, uh, helped her like with background or maybe gave a quote on an article that she was working on and she found him based on his you know subject matter expertise in voices but then she got to talking with him and found um you know found his background interesting called him back later interviewed him and ended up doing a full profile on him and that came out maybe a day or two before he and I ran into each other at a conference and he told me his you know, his phone kept ringing and he couldn't keep up with all the messages he was getting and, you know, about his business, which is just the point of voices is one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that we want to do this. Of course, we want to amplify people's voices because we want everybody to hear their ideas, but also, and also on top of that, it having your voice amplified like that brings in so many opportunities, career opportunities, business opportunities, growth opportunities, when people know what you're up to. Yeah, there's there's a lot of points in this journey that have and will continue to stand out in my mind. And Devon walking up to us at a conference, I had not known him before and him saying, hey, uh, you made my mother cry this morning holding up the <laughs> phone with his feature article on it is really going to stick in my mind forever. I mean, it's the first time I've run into someone organically like that, that I had not known that had that success through voices. So it was incredible. Yeah. And your work actually kind of ripple out is mm-hmm. incredible. It, it was amazing. I was crying in my drink at the bar after I left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so uh, speaking of crying in your drink or just crying, yes. period, like <laughs> a lot of topic. this incredible work that lifts us and, and, and takes us to these positive affects when we see its impact starts at a place that's not necessarily as high and, and light. Um, uh, you know, it can be grieving what things look at like right now. It can be regret of of things like missed opportunities or regretting other people's actions or collective things that are regrettable. Um, what was it that really uh, kind of was was sitting somewhere with you that you 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 thought um, some circumstance needed to be changed in this way or like not some circumstance conferences media exposure and representation needed to be changed in the fashion that you guys are going at them. Hmm. So Liv and I have different, different stories, but very 
in the answer to your question is actually pretty similar between the two of us. I can tell mine and then Liv can tell hers. Um, but be in the last six or so years, I've been speaking and writing and a lot of that work has been about fostering candid conversations about race and gender and finance and working to advance you know, racial and gender justice. And because of that, conference, both conference organizers and journalists have often come to me to ask, hey, say, saying something like, hey, I really would love to have a wider variety of sources for this article. Do you know any women that I can contact who might be a good source about XYZ topic? Or do you know any people of color that can talk about 401k, whatever it is? Uh, and then same with conference organizers. Can you introduce me to some speakers that you know? I know you have a good network. And so I was doing this a lot, like as a for for as a volunteer, sort of without without really a company or an organization. It was just me making a lot of introductions inside of my network. Pro bono. And, yeah, what's that? <laughs> I said pro bono. Thank you, pro bono. Yes. And then um, Liv called me with this idea that she had, which is now the Voices platform and is the thing that started Choir. But I'll let her tell her you know, what, what led her to call me with that idea? Yes. Um, I, and I resonate with this podcast and the topics a lot because I'm someone who is constantly on that search to always be wanting to feel fulfilled by what I'm doing on a lot of levels. And as someone who jumped right into a PR career working in Midtown Manhattan at PR agencies, working in financial services PR, I, you know, there is always a disconnect between, okay, I'm good at this thing, media and PR. Um, however, there's some piece that's not fitting for me. I'm not feeling that sense of fulfillment. I'm not telling the stories that I want to tell. They must just not exist in finance. And that's what I thought. And so in 2018, I started my um, own agency. I said, well, I can do this on my own. I'm going to focus on branding and messaging and PR for companies that I can curate and are led by women, led by people of color, uh, companies that are making an impact on the world. And what happened when I was, you know, on my own and I had this little group of clients is I realized that there was a major gap between the people I was working with every day and the stories I was listening to through my clients and what the media was showing our industry looked like and also what conferences were showing our industry looked like. And it was, you know, it's still, it's like I was building it and didn't know I was building it like Sonia. Um, and it was, you know, after the murder of George Floyd and media started reaching out and saying, we want to speak to black advisors. We want to speak to advisors of color. And it just clicked like this. <laughs> I should not be being asked to connect folks in these, you know, points in history and for no other reason, right? Like we need to change the entire landscape because I am certain it exists. And so I had this idea like in the middle of the night and I was like, what, 
what if there was a place where when the media reached out, the only people they could connect with were folks who'd been historically underrepresented? And I just couldn't get the idea out of my head. And for some reason, I was like, I just need to tell someone my idea. What about Sonia Dreisler? If Sonia Dreisler thinks this is a good idea, it must have legs. And I called her and I was like, hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And she's like, great idea. Um, I find that with conferences too, they're always looking, um, you know, we need to have more representation at conferences. And so we hung up and I was like, sweet, Sonia thought it was a good idea. And then she called again, like an hour later and was like, I want in on this. Like we can do this together. We both have these very special skill sets and networks and we can make this happen. And the rest, I mean, it was a year that we built this behind the scenes. That is so cool. Um, so like so much of that resonates with me. Like, so, so uplifting capital is essentially people calling me and, and, and asking after the murder of George Floyd, like, what can I do to have an impact? What can I like, what, is there anything I can do? And then instead of me getting frustrated by the calls or like I did the Just Listen project, I know some of you alluded to that, like trying to help the conversations and saying, you can go toward that conversation. But for me, it was this realization that people actually do want to do something. Like, and, and if you build a container to kind of increase the efficiency of, of them like moving us forward in the ways that they have the ability to move us forward, then like there's so much cool stuff that can be done. I, I love that. My, I guess my, the, the other question that I have is what gave you hope that even some part of the, the industry at large was ready for this form of change? Hmm. Good That's a great question. <laughs> I can go first on that. Um, I don't know if it was so much as they were ready, but I wanted to take advantage of the fact that everyone seemed to see the importance of voicing their commitment to it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that unless we like we have this moment where people are publicly stating their commitment to change, let's harness that and move it into action while we can. And so that was, I guess that's my answer to that. Mm. And I think, I mean, what gives me hope, probably, I mean, probably what's given me hope in the last, you know, few years is I put out a series of, um, stories called the do better series around the same time that you had the just listen um series and about the stories of women in finance and their stories of discrimination assault um and harassment that they've faced in at work in financial services and when i first put it out i was very nervous that i like people would read it and I would just lose every opportunity I had, I had worked for my prior, all of my prior years of my career would be just like tossed because I was going to talk about the thing that nobody would talk about this thing that happens to so, so many of us and nobody in our industry just won't talk about and you know women don't talk about it for a number of reasons mostly safety reasons and 
legal reasons. Uh, and that's why I wanted to share and sort of open it up. And I was very worried, but I did it anyways. Um, thanks actually. And in part to live, she gave me a nudge to nudge to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, the response was really incredible um, from women and men from even including from media picked it up like it would it was all over the place and the response was very positive people didn't did uh, didn't know this was happening and wanted to do better and they wanted help they wanted to know what they could do and so seeing the response to that but okay, yeah, there are people are ready for this conversation just because we haven't had it as an industry before. It doesn't mean we're not ready. Um, who did you become on the other side of that fear? Like who, like, like the person who was a little bit afraid to, to do that, like obviously not so afraid that you didn't do it, but then afterwards and after kind of the the choir yeah <laughs> that that joins you kind of in that um like who 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 are you now that you weren't then or in terms of how you've grown yeah I think I've found like mm, I've always like wanted to talk about the things that nobody else wants to talk about and uh finding some success in that just gave me sort of more um encouragement that I could do I could do work in that space it was a hard time though I don't want to like gloss over it that it took that um series took a ton of time to put together and to write I shopped it around to media outlets and nobody wanted it um so I had to self-publish it and so all that work and all that time um was un unpaid and I didn't I mean I didn't really make money for from it at all I did make a lot of contacts and that was good. And, and eventually some, um, some speaking engagements, um, but it was very, very hard to do both like logistically and emotionally reading all those stories with just, um, I was a, a wreck some days it was really hard. And now I can see in retrospect, I'm so glad that I did it. And I know it's had a huge impact on so many people. And I'm I'm glad I did. And I feel like um, it was just a very good learning experience for me. Yeah, another learning experience about the, the what I am capable of doing um, that I had not done before. I continue to learn that I am good at doing things as I go. And I don't have to have done something before to do the thing now this is something that I you'd think I would know by now but I keep <laughs> I keep relearning that I have the skills the skills needed to solve a problem on the go instead of needing to figure everything out before I start yeah you you are literally creating something that has never existed before <laughs> so yeah I would, I yeah would underscore and, that point <laughs> and in the last in the last I don't know maybe three or four years of my career I have given more thought and more credit to the power of imagination than I used to before. I, I mean, we can talk about, I know you want to talk about our stories and I'm happy to talk about the first part of my career where I didn't get to do 
like this type of work at all. And it was, is kind of hard for me actually, uh, to not, and the, to be able to now like imagine something better and just try to build towards that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen people do it before and admired it from other people. Um, and especially like superhero, uh, Rachel Robichaudi, I've seen her do this and she's like just seen her build a blueprint in her mind of how finance can be better and then just go do it and watching her do that it gave me a lot of like food for thought about imagination and how powerful it is and uh, a lot of inspiration to go and do that myself as well and so yeah, let, I guess that well, that's maybe the very long-winded answer to your question of like, what did I, that doing that series, like publishing that series, what did it give me that I didn't have before? And I think maybe cemented for me the power of building off of imagination, imagining something better and then just figuring out how to get there. Oh, you guys... You 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 answered my my next question. I'll ask it anyway because maybe maybe Liv has an answer. But I I always also wonder because you know if you had you know an uncle in the Silicon Valley that could write you uh, you know a hundred million dollar check and yeah. seed uh, your 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 company that would make things a whole lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> but people like us mm-hmm. um, have to do something. They have to stretch instead of chase, right? So mm-hmm. we we don't get to sit back. And chase resources that might help us solve these problems. Yeah. We actually have to stretch the resources that that we have. So maybe talk about what gave you the courage to kind of stretch from where you are. Yeah. The, the courage for me, um, you know, I knew coming into this that it was going to be a stretch. We very early on decided we don't want to just immediately go out and get funding. We don't want to get, um, like we want to really try to bootstrap this and do this ourselves. Uh, neither of us have a rich uncle in Silicon Valley, uh, or people to, um, do an angel round of funding for us. So this has been, we're like, well, we have consulting firms already. We'll just do two full-time jobs until, you know, we can just focus on one. And so that's what we've done. We've both um, just worked more than full-time on choir and uh, at this point, probably part-time on our consulting firms. And I think the courage there, a couple of things personally and more logically, I think um, there's a lot of privilege in being able to say, you know, if I really thought about the worst case scenario, having to move in with my sister or my dad isn't the worst, isn't that bad in the grand scheme of things, right? Like when I was really weighing the risks of what if you try to build something and it just doesn't work Um, or you know, from a credibility perspective, what if we try to build this and it fails? Like, what is that going to look like? And I was confident that we both had built honest 
careers for ourselves that, you know, the perception of others at the end of the day, no matter what people know who we are in our hearts. Um, and I think personally for me, um, I lost my mom when I was in my mid twenties. And one of the things that that did to me is it made me realize like all of these things that we worry about, um, you know, like in my head, the worst thing had happened. So why not just try and go really freaking big and just keep going and see what happens in life because it's so short. And as long as I have the opportunity to try and fail and try and succeed, I just, I want to keep doing that. In my mind, you have succeeded. Like hard <laughs> Thank you. no matter what happens from here on, like I think you have created the the like permanently created the form of change that you are hoping to create. And so um I I hope and, and believe that the business will continue to do well and grow and you will like succeed actually. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like capital S succeed. But yes. uh, I like I love what you guys have done. I mean, so you. so what it what are some, uh, I, I call it micro acts of courage, but what are some small things that people, you know, if they haven't understood the issue of, of representation and the need to improve it, like what are some things that people, financial advisors, you know, conference organizer, anyone who's listening, like all uh, five of them who are listening right now, <laughs> <laughs> what could they do today um, maybe to, to start uh, creating, like going in the direction of change? Mm. Mm, so, I mean, very specific to, you know, our realm of business, say the conference business. Gosh, I mean, we could talk for a long time about the different things that people can do for a change, but I'll get really specific to what we do. Um, when you're thinking about attending an event, um, whether you're a speaker or an attendee um, or even a sponsor, look at that event and see who's speaking uh, see what the representation looks like and engage with the conference organizers around that. Let them know that this, that representation is important to you. And there's a few ways to do that. We actually have a very easy one on our website. We have a pledge that people can take um, that has the four very basic um, standards that we hope that all conferences can meet. These are baseline standards. This is not like the gold, the the um not the gold standard but very basic representation and keynotes and panels not pigeonholing women of color to only dei sessions which is something we see a lot um so very some pretty basic standards you can sign the pledge if you want and say that you know you'll only speak at or attend conferences that meet these and it comes with a whole bunch of resources so that when you get a, say, when you get a speaking invitation or when you get an attendance invitation, you have an email template that says that where you can reply and say, yes, I would love to speak at your event. I've signed the choir pledge and I would love to speak at your event if you are working towards meeting these four specifications at your event. Uh, can you let me know? And so we have all the tools and words for that there. So we try to make it like you were saying earlier, like try to make it very easy for people who have good intention to, to move that forward. And whether or not you've signed the pledge, it's a something that you can do. You can look at the pledge standards. You can see um, 
and have a conversation about that. Um, I'm a speaker and I won't, I will not moderate a panel of all men um, any, anymore. I have in the past, but I won't anymore. Um, and I, you know, I will try if I, if a group that I'm in, if it's a panel of, you know, say like four or more, I really, uh, I won't speak on it unless there's a person, at least one person of color on the uh, panel. Um, and I always look at the agenda and I've been having this conversation with conference organizers since well before we had the pledge at a personal level. And now we've made it accessible um, for everyone. And my standards are that I mentioned for me are for me personally, and the pledge standards are a little bit, um, they're not quite as, as stringent, but I, of course, you know, this is something that is personally very important to me and try to make them even more um, specific for the work that I do. I love that. Very cool. Yeah. But I would just say like generally, uh, I mean, this is like one way, but generally bring it up, talk about it. Like <laughs> it's okay. And it's okay. Especially I'll just, you know, for people who are only, who are listening to this, I'll just call out before I say this, I'm white. Uh, and I will say to other white folks, it is okay to talk about race. Uh, <laughs> don't Everybody knows that it's there. <laughs> it's okay to talk about and yeah, it can feel really awkward sometimes and you might stumble, but you've got to get started. And um, and you'll do if you go in with good intention and you stumble and you say something wrong, you can apologize. It is one of the greatest tools you have in your tool belt is the ability to offer a sincere apology. And then so go, go have uncomfortable conversations and see what you can do to advance don't let your nervousness about saying the wrong thing keep you from saying anything at all yeah I, and I would add um for white women in particular you know we sit in such a um special place where we have had more opportunities through our careers due to the fact that most of our industries, DEI programs uh, for many years have mostly really just benefited white women um, predominantly. And so we've had possibly more opportunity to have bigger platforms. And with those bigger platforms, uh, we also can tap into the underrepresentation, the struggles, the fears that we've had being women in a male-dominated industry to connect with those who don't have the same platforms as us. So um, I think white women have an opportunity and um, some would say a responsibility to really hold that door open for, for others to, to climb up. All right. So appreciate you too. Um, so last question for, for each of you or for both of you is what does uplifting mean to you? Hmm. I think uplifting to me means taking whatever um, sort of skills and platform expertise you have and using it not just for yourself but to bring up 
other people around you and especially looking out for, you know, the experts around you that have been systemically marginalized by our, you know, by financial services or more generally, if you're, you know, thinking broader than that and using your platform to pass the mic, um, share and to shine a light on um, other people's stories Mm -hmm. as well as your own. Yeah, I would say uplifting to me means helping people, um, helping people grow in whatever way they need to without expecting anything in return. Um, often I think we can get caught up in the, that allyship movement, right. Of I'm gonna, you know, help people and then, um, talk about the, the work, like, you know, how I'm an ally. And, but if we really just thought of it in terms of taking time and sending that one email to connect to people or, bowing out of a speaking engagement and offering it to someone on your team who hasn't had as much opportunity and just, you know, watching them shine. Uh, to me, that's what uplifting really is. Well, Liv and Sonia, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are both uplifting uh, to me. I deeply appreciate you and I am looking forward to continuing you to watch you just be a force and create forces in the industry thank you well, thank, thank you, you. this is conversation yeah i could have this conversation all day <laughs> so thank you please be sure to subscribe like and click the notification button so you never miss an episode